hate to do this to Luke Skywalker, but it's I Zootopia. Luke. I got Luke and Leia. No. Nope. It's a weird dynamic there. Into the final four we go. <laughs> Remember the Titans versus Field of Dreams. <laughs> and if you get that reference, you like Star Wars. But You've seen it. <laughs> Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck, Leland McRae with me. And Leland, let's jump into the good local news from over the weekend. Virginia Tech landing a four-star wideout from the great state of Texas. Yeah, it's huge news for recruiting, which was needing a little pick-me-up probably for that class. And the really good thing about that is a lot of people think it might be kind of a domino situation that a lot of guys appear to have indicated on Twitter or, or they know there's connections with other guys that him coming to tech could really bring some other people there. So we'll have to wait and see, and it all has to come to fruition and you have to make it to signing day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it's a good sign for him to commit to us. And if for some reason he goes somewhere else in the end, I still think it's a good sign that early in this process, he's committing, like there's something that's drawing him in. And I think Fuente made a lot of changes to his recruiting style tactics after last season. And I think this is kind of showing that maybe some of that's working. So I think that's a positive sign for us to be a good football program. Um, And I know like you say a lot against Fuente, but in the end you want Virginia Tech to be good, even if it means you end up being wrong about Fuente. So this is a good sign for Fuente and that's all you can do at this time of the year, Uh, especially with no spring football playing you could recruit and uh, you know, he's getting some stuff done and, and getting commitments is huge. So hopefully they stick and I, I, it's awesome. Yeah. I, I much rather would be wrong about Fuente and Virginia tech be successful because of it than be right. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, yeah. I, and I'm basing my opinion on the fact that I just haven't seen it from Fuente. I've, I've seen the team get worse each year that he's been in charge. So that's why I'm basing my doubts on Fuente. That being said, you're exactly right. Getting this four-star guy from Texas is a huge deal especially when you lose some wideouts that were, I thought were pretty good to the transfer portal. So bringing in some top level recruits will help that. Um, and, and we'll see where we go. Uh, Fuente also became super active on Twitter over the weekend, which was not very Fuente. <laughs> odd. Yeah. Yeah. Very odd. And, and I think that was something we've also, that I know I've said is, you know, he gets in these situations where it's like we need to hear more from him. When he was talking to Baylor and then didn't go, we've heard very little. And Whit Babcock had to be like his voice. And now he's more active on Twitter all of a sudden. And I, I like it. Um, it's It's been a little all over the place. Um, I think he's kind of still figuring out his voice on Twitter. Um, but I like that it's happening. It's kind of happening at the right time, I think. So hopefully it stays positive And hopefully to a point he keeps it going. I could see maybe during the season if he kind of reverts back a little bit, which I would get. But if if in the offseason there's a little more involvement, we can see a little more of Fuente, I think we will understand his voice better during the season and it, during the ups and downs, which, you know, Alabama has ups and downs. Their downs are just a lot less deep than ours. But, like, you you got to understand who this guy is and understand the way he's saying things and his approach. And we're not we're not getting that rounded explanation of who Fuente is and I think this can only help and I think the 
I mean, it, it'll just round out the voice that we're hearing from Fuente. And I, I just like the idea that he's also, you know, he changed his coaching staff a little bit to recruit a little better because I think that was obvious that that was lacking. And now maybe this opening to the outside a little bit more, showing who he is, showing a little more interaction. I think that can only help in the end. And I like that he's opening his mind to trying things a little different. It's not just my way or the highway, every single thing. He is opening up his mind a little bit. I like that. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, I, I do wonder, because he's had this Twitter before, all of it, but uh, and he just became active over the weekend, I do wonder if it's a little bit of cabin fever with the coronavirus. Maybe that's why he's more active versus recruiting uh, i'll give him the benefit Seems of the doubt on this directed. i'll i'll give him the benefit of the doubt on this and say it was a calculated effort to help recruiting or maybe just help his opinion with the fan base i'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say that's the reason i am interested to see uh look i like you if it if he tones it down during the season and is little to none active on twitter that's fine as long as you're winning football games i don't care if if he stays active and loses, you know, that's going to drive me crazy. I'd rather him win games. If he thinks Twitter's a distraction for him during the season and wants to put it off to the side, that's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think LeBron might do that or something, too. Like, I mean, I, I can handle that during business time. It's it's business only. And I, I think one other reaction I heard in the last couple of days was like, well, this is what Saban does with Twitter, or like it doesn't, and, and you know. But yeah, when you have national championships, you can oh you can treat God. things a little differently. We're yeah. not we're not comparing there. So like him being closed off and then losing is not working. So open up a little bit, and I think you know, like Mike Young, we feel connected with Mike Young. So when the season really turned upside down from where it was going, we're all still like, man, Mike Young's doing a good job. We like watching him eat his popcorn. You know, he has that personality. You know, maybe this will help us with Fuente when we lose a game that we didn't think we should in, in September. And, and, and hopefully that doesn't happen, but you know, it might, it can only help because not doing it has not worked. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think when you're looking at this team and what the future holds, obviously one of our concerns is what we've seen versus what we expect. Um, Virginia tech hasn't won an ACC title in many a year doesn't mean we don't still expect to be in the conversation. We were expecting Coastal this year. That didn't happen. So it really comes down to, at the end of the day, all this is great. And this can help with his image and some of that stuff. But at the end of the day, and I, I do agree with this, and you, it comes back to the recruiting trail a little bit. This recruit's great. He might help you. Hopefully he helps you bring in some other people. But at the end of the day, if you want to get top-level recruits, you got to win games. So that's what it's coming down to. Win games, get recruits. Don't win games, they're not showing up. Yep, that's a, it really does come down to that. Well, moving over to stuff that's either going on or planning to be going on, looking at the NFL, the draft is a go. Uh, everybody thought it was potentially going to get delayed. NFL seemed pretty consistent with that they were sticking with it and that they've made some rules about being at team facilities or not, I guess not being at team facilities, mm -hmm. but they're moving ahead with the draft. Everybody can't be at team facilities. Um, and, but they're going to move ahead with it. They did have a plan to be out in Vegas and they were going to be on some floating stage with an Island in middle of water. Obviously all that's gone away with uh, social distancing and for good reason, but uh, they're still going to have a draft. So that'll dominate the news cycle here 
probably starting up in about a week and then just dominate it for a couple weeks there because that'll be new sports news. But I mean, what, what do you think about a moving forward with this draft, even though they can't run these players through physicals, even though they can't have the pro days that they were planning to have, what's your opinion on it? I don't know, Leland. Um, I mean, I know I, you don't watch the draft. Yeah, like, I don't have a problem with it. I Personally, I, and this is the problem I have with Major League Baseball saying they, they might cancel their draft. Why? The, the MLB draft was not on TV for years. For, for decades. The MLB draft has not been on TV longer than it's been on TV. So they used to do it with phone calls and emails and faxes. So if you can do the draft then, I don't understand why this would stop you from doing it. I guess it is more of the lead up to the draft getting canceled for both sports. I mean, you're, you're recruiting of college players, you're recruiting of high school players for the baseball. Um, You know, any of the lead up activity has been canceled. You can't hold these pro days. You can't travel around the country as freely. And, you know, if you're obeying the rules of each state or even what the national, uh, you know, um, proclamations have been or whatever it is, you know, it, it, isn't the same for the lead up. I, the TV product is probably not what I'm asking about in your opinion. I'm asking, is it like what your opinion was for them moving forward, even though business couldn't be held as usual. I think if they do it, that's fine. I don't care. I kind of agree because every team's getting treated the same. So it's not just the teams in New York that can't be at their facilities because New York is the epicenter. They shut down the whole league. No teams go into their offices. So I, everybody's on an even playing field. So I And no one has seen pro days. So, like, since everybody's playing the same game, I'm fine with them moving ahead. I also saw where the NFL said they don't want people at the same houses. So they don't want, like, all the, you know, Atlanta Falcons personnel getting together at somebody's house or multiple yeah. Atlanta Falcons personnel getting together at groups' houses. They say everybody needs to be in their own house. So, yeah. um. I did see a funny thing where somebody said, I imagine the NFL draft going like Ryan, Ryan's uh, Dunder Mifflin infinity launch party. Uh, so <laughs> that would be kind of, uh, that was a funny tweet, but uh, yeah, I, picture, crystal clear. It, it comes, <laughs> it, it comes in, in my mind. It's if the NFL wants to have this draft, that's fine. Uh, if major league baseball wants to have their draft, I think that's fine. I don't think that's some great crime. If the NBA wants to have their draft, that's fine. I know for ESPN and MLB Network and NFL Network and all these other networks that televise these drafts, I know that they care very much about the draft not going on if they can't be there to televise it and make it some big TV product. But in terms of league business, I don't think it's a problem. I do feel bad to a point for the bad luck for some of the guys. And, I, and, I, and as this whole podcast is, Everything else in the world is more important than what we're saying. But I do feel bad for these kids like at a JMU where they were really dependent on a pro day to make yeah. an impact and improve themselves and give themselves that chance to be a late round draft pick or be on or be an unsigned uh, free agent. And, and their pathway got harder, not impossible, but just harder. And I feel bad for those kids. It's just the bad timing of all this. But. I mean, it, it is what it is. You've got to deal with it. And so I feel bad for him, but I'm also, there's no way to make it up to him. So you're just going to have to fight through, prove yourself a different way, catch on as a unrestricted free agent or have your agent pushing even better. And, and you're going to have to make it happen. Yeah. I, I will say in terms of the leagues, 
in the scouting and all that. I will admit that baseball might have the hardest time in terms of scouting and evaluating somebody because you don't have this year to go off of. But in terms of the NFL or the NBA, the NBA had basically an entire, they did have an entire college basketball regular season to evaluate. Uh, the NFL had an entire college season to evaluate and there's footage of these people. So the NFL pro days to me, I get why they're a bigger deal for guys on the fringe, but in terms of like NFL teams that are like, Oh, I don't know if I want to go with this guy or this guy and I want to use a pro day to decide it. That's a clown thing to do. In my opinion, um, you have enough footage of these kids, especially early on. And there's NFL teams that say, you know, the combine changes our mind on guys. I just, I think there are too many teams that get too, they try to be too smart. There's a lot of footage out there, man. Just use what you have. Use, use the footage. It's not impossible to evaluate these kids just because you can't sit down in a room and talk to them. Doesn't mean you can't evaluate them. Since it's an even playing field. I I don't have the problem. I mean, if, if it was some kind of situation, where some pro days had happened or something like that, then maybe I'd look at it. But no, it's it's even playing field. It, it, the calendar for football kind of worked out. I agree with you. Baseball is tough because there's a, I mean, there's high school kids that you're drafting that yeah. you don't have film on, like like you do all mm-hmm. these college basketball and football players. I agree. Um, but let's talk about NASCAR iRacing. Uh, Byron won at Bristol. Uh, it was a race with a lot of wrecks. Um, just like real Bristol. And one of the wrecks, uh, the guy didn't even get wrecked that ended up quitting. Bubba Wallace wrecked Clint Boyer and then got mad, I guess, that Clint Boyer like tweeted at him or something and said, yo, what the heck, Bubba Wallace? Uh, and Bubba Wallace got mad and then rage quit uh, in the middle of the race and then tried to make fun of people that thought he was wrong for rage quitting and then he ended up losing a sponsor over it, which I think that's hilarious. This guy is so ridiculous. He is sitting, playing a video game, getting paid to play said video game. He doesn't even have to be good at it. He's going to get paid by his sponsor because the sponsor is on his little virtual race car. All he has to do is finish the race, finish playing the game, and you get paid. Instead, he quits, tries to make fun of everybody making fun of him for quitting, and then his sponsor dipsets on him. Let me tell you, Bubba Wallace, you are lucky to be invited to the iRacing. If I was picking 30 drivers, Bubba Wallace would not be one of them. So the fact that he even got invited to me each week, I was like, wow, who is Bubba Wallace paying off to get into these races? Because he is not. I mean, it was those sponsors. Those sponsors were buying spots and bringing yeah. them in. So that and sponsor then, so can then... go find anybody to go yeah. take his virtual place in a car. Probably That's somebody who's better at driving it. That's what drives me crazy about this is that like my two year old out in the yard when we're playing a little game and it, you know, the ball doesn't come right to him. He kind of, you know, after he's tired and he throws himself down that he's met like that's what Bubba Wallace did during this race. And he's talking about like, this is why I don't even take things seriously. Well, you know, these people paying top dollar or, you know, big money to be on TV all afternoon that you just took that out of the equation for them it's serious for them spending that money and you cash in that check is a serious process. So now you don't have to worry about cashing that check. And honestly, I, I could easily see him not being involved in more of these. Like, why are they going to, he's not going to be involved. Like, Who's going to sponsor out. him. I mean, he's the guy I've been following and I picked him 
fairly randomly and it hasn't worked out and he just never impresses me it's just like his comments it just it's just never good and i i'm very cold on on bubble wallace and this I know this is iRacing, and, and to a point, I haven't really tuned into these, so I probably agree more with the fact of who cares about these races than do care, but I think he is absolutely wrong because he's cashing that check that Blue Emu was paying, so it's a serious process, and you're right. It's the easiest, I mean, hour and a half, two hours, sit in that chair, get the thing done, and cash your check and get out of there, and don't don't call the game stupid if you're playing it, I mean, that's just, that's right. such a elementary thing to do. I mean, yeah, I agree with you, Leland. I, I it's ridiculous. And uh, you're right. You can't be saying it's stupid. If you're doing it like on TV, it's your product. And that sponsor is yeah. going to find somebody else. There are a lot of Bush guys or it's not the Bush series. Now I don't remember what they call it now that whatever the thing under the monster energy series like is do monster. Yeah. Monster yeah. monster energy is the top. And then there's something <laughs> under that. Now they change sponsors all the time. Uh, but blue emu is going to find one of those drivers. Xfinity. It is the Xfinity series. Thank you. Uh, they will find a, an Xfinity series driver to fill in or uh, one of the other monster energy series drivers that isn't in this. There's only like 30 cars or 30 people that Bring get invited to this thing. Somebody else out of retirement. Yeah. Yeah, Dale Jr.'s in this. He takes up one of the spots. I mean, Bubba Wallace, here's the thing. If Dale Earnhardt Jr. rage quits, he's Dale Earnhardt Jr. That sponsor's not going to pull on Dale Earnhardt Jr. <laughs> no. You're Bubba Wallace. They will pull on you in a second because they're going to be like, who the hell is Bubba Wallace? And it was a They called him out on Twitter. The best. They called him out on Twitter. Yeah, they commented on his Twitter post. It was just like immediately like, this is stupid. It's like, oh, yeah, you're stupid. And we're out. I, I, yeah. I, for, for cheering for this guy, I actually did like the process. I mean, I was like, it's pretty funny. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Know your role, Bubba Wallace. Know your role. Um, let's, let's move on to something else I don't care about. The NBA talking about a horse competition uh, with players in a, I guess, isolated environment somehow. It's like you're in different places. Like you make a shot from the key and then the next guy has to make a shot from the key. Like they're in separate buildings, yeah, like yeah. separate locations. I guess I just don't care. I'm not I, that bored to where I'm going to watch that. I will let you not like this and that's fine. And I'm not going to argue with it. You should like it. I'd maybe turn over there just to see who's involved and see what's going on. Because heck, I watched the NBA all-star game Saturday night and this is probably on the verge of that. That's not very good. Yeah. But, no matter what they do with this, if they put live people shooting called shots, it's better than NBA players playing NBA 2K on ESPN Friday night. That was terrible. I watched it for five minutes and it was awful. <laughs> and I only heard bad things about it. It was awful. I didn't watch it. Yeah, I don't know. I watched five minutes and I was like, this is stupid. And apparently one of the players, I don't even know which one, had been for like before the coronavirus existed talked about how awesome he was at this video game and so finally like see so he's the one to beat like for this tournament or whatever they're doing he gets rocked first game against somebody you know somebody it's just like all right like you can't even produce a star of this thing the trash talk goes nowhere like just it's so bad they need to if they if nba wants to have new things happening it needs to be not them playing video games because the people that do e-league and play video games should be on TV more than these NBA players just sitting there mm. mumbling and not playing the game very well. Okay. 
I didn't watch it, so I don't know. Uh, it wasn't. I watched five minutes, so I don't know everything. But I also I don't hate video games. Things. Like I have played quite a few video games this weekend, but I like playing them. It's hard for me to watch somebody else play. I the NASCAR ones are fine because it's just like watching a race. It's just a computer version. I've watched like roommates and stuff in college, like play their football season. So like, just like if, I mean, we'd much rather play each other, but if like I walk in from class and they're wrapping up a game, I'll sit there and watch them. Or my buddy would get the new halo and go through single player mode or something. I'd sit there and watch them, but like turning on a TV to watch someone else play a video game is uh, yeah, I'm too, I've aged out of that. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Well, Leland and I are old. So on that note, <laughs> we're going to wrap this segment up and we're going to bring on John Leonard from all things Valley league. And this week on the Yak Sports Podcast, we have John Leonard from All Things Valley League joining us. And John, obviously, uh, with you being All Things Valley League uh, and also handling a lot of the media relations for the Valley League, uh, you had to make the unfortunate press release of the cancellation of the Valley Baseball League season for this summer. So, I mean, it seems like the logical place to start. Let's just start there. Um, I know you're upset about it. I'm upset about it. Leland's upset about it. Uh, a lot of baseball fans in the Valley are upset about it, but uh, kind of put those thoughts into words on your, on your end. Well, yeah, it's, it's obviously really disappointing that, that uh, the season isn't going to happen this year. And, and I, and I should, I should preface any comments with saying, of course, our health is more important. And of course we know why, um, it's just, it's just super disappointing that, um, that the league that I, that I love obviously, and that I've been writing about since 2006, isn't going to happen at all. And I, I just, I just can't help but think about the, the communities that won't have baseball and, and, uh, the families that keep, keep players. And I mean, all of the stats that I keep every summer, uh, I, I honestly, I posted this on Facebook. I honestly don't know what I'm going to do this summer now that there's no Valley League. Watch a lot of Tiger King. I mean, at one point, uh, you know, I kind of said it in um, middle of March there, right when they canceled the spring sports for colleges. I said, man, these kids are going to not play any baseball season or any more baseball. I know they had started. I mean, this Valley League season could be awesome. Like, they, they could be really fired up and, like, you know, kids not leaving early and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as these last couple of weeks went on and, and, and that sports calendar started getting knocked out further and further ahead. It, I mean, it wasn't surprising when they canceled, but I mean, I was really hopeful that it was, was going to happen just and because that would indicate a lot of things in the world are going well. Um, when did you really start to grasp that this wasn't going to happen? It was it was on Tuesday. It was this, this past Tuesday that there was an email that was circulated to all of the owners, um, to all of the teams, in which they were asked for their opinion on what should be done. Um, and so, I, and I don't and I don't own a team and I don't run a team, but I I'm obviously on those email threads, and uh, I was just I was just saying. So that was my first indication to answer your question, Leland. Um, I was hoping, I was hoping personally, because of some of the things that you said, I thought that this had the potential to be maybe one of the best Valley League seasons that yeah. we've ever seen, uh, especially with pitchers with, with no innings limits. And, uh, and I, I knew uh, a, a little bit about 
some about some of the teams they, that, that college coaches were reaching out to them and saying, can you please take my guys? And so I knew that there was a chance we could get an, an even better quality of player. I need to be a little careful with that, but I think you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I was hoping that maybe the league could play a, a reduced schedule, like maybe, maybe we could play just in July or something like that. But I think the logistics for something like that is, is um, as close to impossible as something could be. And so I, I knew on Tuesday that we were maybe in trouble. And then they had a, the executive committee had the meeting Thursday evening. And uh, so I got the phone call just a little before 7 p.m. Uh, from Commissioner Bruce Alger um, with the news and with the request to to, uh, to prepare the press release for everybody else, which, by the way, went absolutely bonkers on uh, in, in views and in comments and all of that. Everybody seems to have uh, seems to have an opinion on it. That's for sure. Yeah, and I I kind of want to touch on that. Uh, I saw a lot of uh, obviously. Uh, there's a lot of people saying the season doesn't start till June. We're still in, you know, at the time, late March, early April, and I guess still early April now. But, you know, why so soon? Why not wait? And I thought the Neils kind of hit the nail on the head. And uh, if you're not familiar, the Neils are the family that uh, is in charge of the Strasburg Express. You know, there's just a lot of factors. Fans are just one aspect of the Valley League and being worried that if you're even allowed to have crowds at that point, I mean, you can't have crowds until June 10th. So um, at, at the earliest in the state of Virginia, but then you have the sponsors, which I think people are really underestimating. This is hitting a lot of local businesses. A lot of local businesses sponsor these Valley league teams. So that's big. And then of course the host families, which some Valley league teams have a harder time than others. But if you're having a hard time when everything is normal, imagine what that's like with everything going on with, the COVID-19, you know, pandemic. And now people are like, Oh, do I really want to bring in a stranger into this house that maybe has it and mm-hmm. could spread it to the family? Out of state potentially. Yeah. Absolutely. Harrisonburg is the only team that does not use host families. So it would have been 10 of the 11 teams would have had to navigate that, that issue with, with uh, folks. And, you know, you don't know if, you know, families that are sending their kids to the Valley League, they wouldn't know if their kid is going into a safe situation. And at the same, on the flip side, is the host families wouldn't know about the kids coming in. And yeah, the sponsorships and all of the expenses that go into preparing for the season, it just made it really difficult to say, uh, we're going to wait until July and maybe get in a 20-game season then. There just isn't that much flexibility, I don't think, with with how much prep has to go into the season. And, and the thing about, you know, saying we're going to wait till July and play a 20 game season, that's if the weather cooperates, which has been the biggest bugaboo of the Valley league. The blast two years has been rain. That's, that's true. Imagine all the storms. Like if you would lose one night when, when, you, be, when you're doing a schedule of 20 games, yeah. it, would just, it, would, it would kill it. John, yeah. I, I want to ask you about, in terms of major league baseball, cause you're a, you're a huge baseball fan. And do you see major league baseball getting a season in at all? I know last week I said, I don't see it happening. Uh, what are your thoughts on the major league baseball calendar? You know, I, I'm, I'm so afraid to make a declarative statement about this. I'm not, I'm not even sure what to say. I, 
I so much want baseball to be played this year. You know, I mean, this is my first time back in the States in eight years, and I was hoping to watch an NCAA tournament and hoping to watch a full season of baseball. So I'm having to adjust my own expectations here, too. But I don't know. Like, I I would hope that with, with TV contracts, um, like, I, I was listening to a Bill Simmons podcast today. Sorry, it's like I was kind of cheating on you guys a little bit. No, that's okay. But, <laughs> with Bill Simmons. They were, yeah, we're at the same level with Bill Simmons, so we're really, we're really mad at you, man. <laughs> Fair enough. They, Where's they our were talking million-dollar contract? <laughs> <laughs> right. He, they were talking about ways that the NBA and, and Major League Baseball can kind of get some, get some stuff on TV – um, maybe with the fans, maybe with, you know, isolating teams. And so I don't know if baseball has been kicking around these ideas or not, but um, I, I don't think we're anywhere close to that. We would have to wait another another several weeks at the minimum before we could try anything. But, I mean, I surely hope that, like like everybody else out there right now, I surely hope that things go back to normal sooner rather than later. Um, I guess I guess I'm just really glad I'm not in the leadership of any of those leagues to try to figure out what to do. So that's speaking just a roundabout way, Joe, of me saying I have no idea. <laughs> speaking of leadership and and how tough it is, one thing that I don't think is too tough is making the right decision concerning the Houston Astros. What about this report that they're going to consider if there is no baseball play this season? They're going to consider the suspension for the manager of the Astros and, and all the other, any other punishment that was handed out as fulfilled, even if there's no season played. What, what do you think of that? Well, that's interesting. I have not heard that before this oh, yeah. very moment. Well, there we go. While you're breaking um, back the big news, Major League Baseball came out and said that they, I'm not sure if it was official or that's, that it's, was what they were concerned. It's being considered, that, yeah. That the manager there from the Astros that got suspended and then fired, but he still suspended. He was gonna, even if there was no baseball played this year, they would consider his suspension fulfilled and he'd be active next year. Yeah, that would go for AJ Hinch and Jeff Lunhell. That yeah, would you, be good for them. Although, I, I guess my question would be: if, if major league players are making X amount of their salaries. Uh, even if the season is not played, that part of their suspension would be fulfilled. And if you're talking about the monetary penalty, that should be fulfilled, even if baseball isn't played, if everybody else is getting paid. Does that make sense? I think a season's I, – I, I hear what you're saying. I think that manager, because I put – I do put fault on him for not controlling his players. Mm-hmm. I think sure. there should be – a season's worth of games, maybe not 162. If they only played 80 games a season, I, I, I would count it. But there should be what is considered a season be played before he manages again. I want to play devil's advocate with John on the line and get his opinion on this. I hear what you're saying, Leland, but one, I, I think the players are more important than a manager, and I think any front office person... Yes, they are. They're dis- they don't respect A.J. Hinch. How many people cried for A.J. Hinch when he got fired on that team? Zero. They don't care about A.J. Hinch. If Carlos Correa and Carlos Beltran and Jose Altuve have a disagreement with A.J. Hinch, who do you think stays in Houston? 
It's Carlos Correa, Carlos Beltran, and Jose Altuve. And they say, okay, AJ Hinge, bye. We can get some other, we can get almost anybody in here to coach these guys and get us in the postseason. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the true in multiple sports, but I think the, since the baseball handled, handed out so little punishment, so little games lost, so little punishment that what they do have on the books for punishment should, should have, right. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's like, there's no, they didn't lose anything. The manager didn't lose anything other than his job, which he didn't have to, the Astros could have not fired him. They, he hadn't lost anything. He won't have missed anything. There will have been no punishment handed out for games lost if if that's the case. He if, gets a financial punishment that the players aren't even getting. The players are getting paid. But, but the players aren't getting I'm, – I'm mad. I'm not going to argue this with what the punishment should have been. I'm arguing that the punishment handed out isn't even getting handed out fully if this season gets canceled and they count that as a suspension. Mm, I don't care because I, I think the manager – I, I don't know how much Jeff Loonhow knew or didn't know. I feel like he knew a lot. Um, I think everybody knew. Yeah, I think the owner knew, and the owner didn't get punished. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, allegedly, allegedly. Let's add that sure. in there. But, uh, John, what I do you think, think about the aspect of, you know, when Leland says the manager didn't do anything to stop it, when there's reports of him trying to stop it, ripping TVs off the wall and then them being put back up the next day, uh and players still doing it, even though AJ Hinch had made it pretty well known by that that he wasn't too plussed about it. When when I think of when I just when I think of leaders, when I think of leadership, yeah, he he broke the televisions, but at no point did he sit guys down and say, "Look, you can't do this." Like these these are these are the issues. And I, and I just think, well, I haven't been a basketball coach for, for almost 25 years. And when you would talk to your team about how you behave with trash talking or with, with referees that are treating you badly, if you walk through the situation, you, you talk to people about what, what is the risk? What does this do to our team? What does this do to yourself? What does this do to the league? And, and that's, the, that's the piece that A.G. Hinch did not follow through on. And I think he even said it himself in some of the interviews. He said, I didn't go, I didn't say enough. And I, I agree with that. I, yes, he showed that he didn't like it, but he never went so far as to say, look, guys, you can't do this. You can't do this. And if you do, then you, will not, then you won't play for me. And that's, and that's kind of what he needed to say as the leader, didn't he? I mean, he lost his job in the long run anyway. So, so what's the negative that could come from that? You say, "Hey, you're not going to play for me," and um, because and the only reason it, that this ever got investigated was because of uh, a former pitcher outing it to a media organization. Otherwise, we wouldn't know. That's that's what he loses. He wouldn't have lost anything. The Astros would still be doing it. He would still be managing the Houston Astros. But he did. Like, okay. But he did get like we do know, and he and he's he's going to escape this without losing any time managed is what really drives me nuts because he's the only oh, person. That. That he is one of the has, smallest people involved in this. I don't care if he doesn't he's, he's lose really any small. games. Who cares? Okay. If Major League Baseball doesn't care, why should I? <laughs> then what are we talking about? Then why are we even talking about this topic, Joe? Like, I mean, if you, if you don't care. Like you care that the players weren't suspended. Yeah, so that's who. That's who should be punished, not AJ Hinch. AJ Hinch wasn't ordering this. And 
now the punishment's not going to even be followed through with. Well, good. If if you're not going to punish the players, then I don't think AJ Hinch should be punished. That's my point. I think AJ Hinch definitely should be punished. I wish the players were too. Yeah, I think baseball baseball ended up punishing Hinch and Lunau because they couldn't punish the players. Well, that's Probably. Rob Manfred being weak. That's what that is. Yeah. What about Boston? What is that? What's going to come out of Boston? That's gotten lost Nothing. in all this. What's happening? <laughs> Nothing, because the the manager and the GM have already been fired for different reasons. The manager got let go because of this, but the GM was fired because he's bad with contracts. He signed. That's that's the other that's the other shoe that hasn't hit the floor just yet. Um, how many how many other teams have been involved in stuff and, and shouldn't have been? I think Major League Baseball is scared to release the punishment or lack thereof on the Boston Red Sox because there's absolutely nothing sports-wise to talk about right now. So if they did, it would be the only thing being talked about. I think I read somewhere that that investigation is actually finished, but they haven't released the findings. Is that is that right? Have you guys yes. seen that? Yes. Yeah, I've heard on another podcast, you know, a competitor. Um, but <laughs> but um, we... Uh, but the boss, I agree with Joe. That's why they're holding it, is so it's not out there. If they could have been out ahead of this, they'd have been better off because everybody's shut up about Houston. Like even this news about them not getting punished through the like, if if the season doesn't happen, no more punishment will be handed out. They'll be revealed. That kind of came and went pretty quickly, even in the no news cycle. So because it's they've already had beat it to death. So they really should have, if they'd have gotten the Boston inspect um you know report done in february they'd be golden right now the other the other piece of this that I'm, i've just been thinking about is is it fair to aj hinch to say if baseball is not played this year oh sorry you thought that you were going to miss 2020 you're actually going to miss all the way through 2021 is that fair to him if for his financial situation and and so on no. Then go be an announcer on Fox. Fox will hire anybody. Fox has a full baseball staple. Fox doesn't carry that many baseball games. I, I guess I just look at the football players that they hire over there. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, 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 I see your point there. I see your point there, but he doesn't have a job right now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a risk. I guess it's a, a risk. When you're involved in cheating, you risk, you know, if there's a pandemic, you might be out two seasons now. I mean, I, I don't know. John, I want to get ready to wrap this up and move this toward uh, Tiger King. So did Carol Baskins murder her husband and feed him to a tiger? You're You're – you're asking my opinion if Carol Baskin killed her husband and fed him to a tiger. Oh, uh, I think, I think that, um, documentaries like this can choose to portray people in a way that might not be otherwise, um, the truth. And so I would, I would say that after watching episode three, it surely looked like the way they cut and edited that episode that she, that she would have been involved in her husband's disappearance, but we of course have no idea. Wow. Is, it good? Are, just, is that I, pro Baskin? Are you pro Carol Baskin? No, I, I mean, <laughs> from what, from what, 
from what I saw, I mean, I don't, I didn't see anything on this the, the entire. By the way, I could not stop watching this. Like it was such a disaster for everybody yeah. involved. I think I watched it in two days. I'm almost yes. 50. I don't, I don't do stuff like that anymore. But I did for this one. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm not pro anybody in this. I think, I think all of them, all of them just did not come across as sympathetic characters. Obviously, but we we do have to remember. If a camera crew was following me around, okay, like they're not going to find, they're not going to be able to talk about a big topic like a spouse disappearing. But if they wanted to make me look bad, they could probably make me look bad. Not as bad as what they made these other people look. I'm not saying I'm on on par with Tiger King. But we know Jeff from Vegas, are you? No, no. I am. I'm a very, very simple person when it comes down to it. Um, but no, we just need to be careful uh, about what we think we know or don't know because it's just through the lens of this of this one perspective. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. John bringing well, perspective bring to Tiger King. He's bringing us back down to earth. I love it. We need it. You need this. I like to run away <laughs> with my imagination and just picture Carol Bat. I mean, she did. There's no doubt in my mind. So, like OJ Simpson said, what <laughs> like OJ Simpson said, there's no doubt in my mind. But but all of the information that you're applying to the situation was was given to you in that episode three. That's all yeah. that you know. I hear you, John. You're not wrong. I can't remember <laughs> the one friend of the husband that disappeared. How he said like vaguely oh if i can pull this off it'll just be the slickest thing i can't kind of get over that and so i just i do like to be contrary especially to joe and just say that that dude's in costa rica just laughing He's at it definitely not in costa rica <laughs> i like to <laughs> he left a lot of money behind yeah that's and why he's not in money, costa rica a lot of money going with him that dude was loaded 90% of his wealth when he died got left to Carol Baskin. Oh, that dude had hidden wealth like crazy, no doubt. Mm, doubt it. Okay. Uh John, I mean, when you when you guys when you guys watched this whole thing, was, was there besides the character who lost a hand, was there anybody in that thing that you that you that you had sympathy for? That I felt sympathy and and this is just the other guy that you're not thinking about. The campaign manager that no. was sitting there when the one guy committed suicide. That, I felt bad for that kid. I felt bad for him in that moment. That's got to be a hard thing to see, I can't imagine. But then he stayed to work yeah. for Joe Exotic. So, obviously, no. But he's not a bad... He didn't... I mean, he's nowhere near the scale of bad as everybody else. Okay, but I don't feel bad for him. I do. Well, well that, that whole show sure got the Leonard family worked up, man. We, we talked about it probably for an hour the other night. It was fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely captivating. Well, John, I mean, we thank you for... My, it got my 20-year-old daughter talking about it, and she usually only talks about TikTok. So, wow. man, it worked on that level. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't have TikTok. The only TikTok videos I see are ones that end up on Twitter. Uh, but, uh, wow. My favorite is where, like, the four people do, like, the same dance move in a row. Like, the one goes and the second goes. And my favorite video is where, like, the first one just elbows the second person in the head. And, like, everything just falls apart. That's my favorite. I haven't seen that one. You'll have to send it to oh, me. Good. Good. John, we thank you for coming on with us this week. Uh, and, obviously, 
if you have any ideas for John, what he should be doing, uh, where can people follow you on Twitter and let you know what you should be doing this summer, John? Well, I'm I'm on Twitter at John ATVL, which is short for All Things Valley League. And, oh, and you got a bracket uh, going. I'm, talk talk about I've that. Got a bracket going. I've got a bracket going of the top 42 hitters that have ever been uh, produced by the Valley League throughout all of history. And I just have people vote on a new tandem, a new pair every day. And, uh, and then the winner moves on, and we'll see, see who comes out on top. But uh, I just got started a couple days ago, so uh, I want to get in on that. Uh, I do all of the polling on Twitter because that, that they keep track of it a little bit easier. Right. Um, but I know also, um, even with no baseball, no Valley League baseball this summer, uh, Graham Knight and I are planning to be putting out some old games to watch, uh, some of the best games from last summer. Um, and oh, we'll be doing – right? You're going to get that game where they came back like crazy against Harrisonburg, right? Absolutely, yeah. When they were down 12-1 to 1 going into the ninth or something like that. It was so awesome because I was paying attention on Twitter that night. I wasn't watching online, but I was paying attention on Twitter – and uh, it was an awesome moment getting excited about that. I just gave Graham a list of the top 11 games, and that was one of them for sure. So, um, and, and there will be some content being put up on, on YouTube as well just to keep people, uh, keep people aware that the Valley League exists and uh, should actually be some fun stuff with some fun interviews with people. I know Graham talked to three different organizations today. Um, so there should, there will still be content out there, uh, even though there won't be active games happening. Great. Well, that's good to hear, John, and uh, I'll be glued to that, and everyone else should be too, so you can still get somewhat of a baseball fix during this baseballless summer here in the Valley. But, John, thank you again for coming on, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me, guys. At this time, if you do not want to listen to a super in-depth breakdown of the Office and Office Episodes bracket, please go ahead and pause and then fast forward about 58 minutes into this episode. So that should take you to about an hour and 44 minutes and 30 seconds. All right, Leland, we're going to do another C block here. It's another bracket. And this week, we're breaking down an Office episode bracket uh, that was released by the actual Office Twitter, uh, the official Office Twitter. Now, that being said, I love the Office. You and I have talked about this bracket, and let's just go ahead and get it out there right now. I hate this bracket. Um, I think the seating is jacked up. I think there are episodes that should be on here that aren't. There are episodes in here that shouldn't. My only guess is that they were trying to get episodes throughout the entire series, and that's why some of these made it. It's not the best 32 episodes, for sure. Uh, yeah, they were still light on seasons 8 and 9. I mean, there was only one episode from season 8 and one episode from season 9, which being the finale. So, I mean, they kind of self-acknowledge the first seven seasons of that show is better than the last two, which everybody knows. But... I, yeah, I have some trouble. I mean, I knocked a, one of the episodes out. I mean, two two episodes in the first round get knocked out that easily, if they're in different brackets, could have been 
maybe in my final four, but at least Elite Eight. So, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it, it's a it's a hard bracket for us. But, hey, something for us to argue about. All right, Leland, I'll let you kick this one off. Let's go to the top left, and let's start in that region and break it down. The one-seed dinner party versus the eight-seed the client. And this is where we start right off with a tough first-round matchup. Mm-hmm. You know, for a one versus eight, that's as big a spread as you can get for this. It's dinner party versus the client. I'm going to advance dinner party because it's an all-timer episode. But man, the client really could have taken out some other episodes. There's just some great lines in there. Tim Meadows is Mm -hmm. like a guest uh, appearance there. And this is when you see Michael come alive and be a good salesman. It kind of explains why Michael can get away or got into the position he was because he's a great salesman and he he takes the slow route to get there. But in the end, he just nails, absolutely nails the situation, really connects with Tim Meadows. Their interaction's funny with Jan rolling her eyes in the background. And it also starts the, the Michael and Jan relationship, which carries a weight throughout the series. And also the other side of this is in the back uh, the other people back at the office while he's at this, uh, business meeting, they're reading Thre- Threat Level Midnight, which is an ongoing kind of humorous reference throughout the show. There's a whole episode dedicated to it later. And it also advances Jim and Pam's relationship. They kind of have their first date is how Jim references it, which she kind of shoots him down, but that's part of their relationship. So this was a major episode in season two that really advanced a lot of the ongoing stories throughout the series. It stinks. It has to go out in the first round. But Dinner Party, as we'll talk about, advances because it's a great episode i agree i think dinner party is an all-timer and i love the client and when the when we get to this next matchup the four seed could have been the eight seed in this region and the client could have been the four seed for me um but uh i i think that it's it's a terrible seed to put that as an eight the two seed in this region could have been an eight two for me i I hate this region uh but let's move on to the booze cruise versus casual friday the booze cruise is the four seed that's the one i would put it as an eight as well I actually like Booze Cruise. There's a I lot of things I like. I do like about it. That was kind of the first episode where the group of them are all in location, and um, just Michael kind of getting crazy, but still trying to reel everything in. His interaction with the other captain, Dwight on the front of the ship. But what really gets me in that episode <laughs> is at the end when um, he Mike when Jim confides in in Michael. That's like a that shows more depth. I mean, just again, this is a season two episode that like shows a lot of depth for these characters that we hadn't got all a lot of before just because you hadn't had the opportunity. So I advanced Booze Cruise over Casual Friday uh, because I really like I like the Booze Cruise episode more than you do, I guess. You do. Uh, I picked Casual Friday over Booze Cruise. Casual Friday is the episode where Michael Scott comes back uh, from the Michael Scott Paper Company, ends up back at Dunder Mifflin and they kick Charles Minor out there at the end of the last episode before that. And um, th- this is awesome because it's it's him coming back. And then there's the whole weird dynamic of Pam and Ryan, who went with him to the Michael Scott Paper Company, coming back as salesmen. And that creates conflict with the salesmen that are at Dunder Mifflin. They want their clients back now that they bought them out. And it's it creates a whole to do. And you see Michael Scott again. And this is a theme for him each and every episode, it feels like, where he's having to make a tough decision as a boss and he wants to be able to reward the people that trusted him and went to the Michael Scott paper company with him versus the people that he also knows and are a part of his family uh, at, at work. And he builds, even though more times than not, he does a lot of stuff that drives him crazy. 
he references it multiple times during the show that they are like a family to him. So it's this balancing act of, you know, I stole these people from people I love and care about, but these people I also love and care about and they followed me. What do I do? And there's really no right answer. I, I think my Michael Scott's when I start looking at Michael Scott episodes, you know, where, where he's running the show, which is most of the episodes is I like Michael Scott when he is, foot on the pedal gas with a plan more than I like weak boss. I'm not saying I don't there's jokes. There's jokes of him being a weak boss that I enjoy. There's certain episodes that I like more than others, but I think if I had to pick the Michael Scott that I, I cling to more to get my laughs, I'm going with the full blast. This is the way I'm doing it. And it's terrible. And it's the worst plan ever than him. Just like the joke of him. Like, yeah, the time I went hunting, I had to end up beating the deer with a shovel you know, like, cause he just couldn't shoot, shoot it to death. You know, like he, it was just that, that I guess wears on me differently. It's just how I look at it. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, number three seed money versus number six seed. Goodbye, Michael. For me, I went goodbye, Michael. Uh, this is the episode where you see Michael Scott leave. Uh, it's a tough episode to watch, but it's a good episode. And I, I think this is this is one of those episodes where no matter what, it gets me every time. And the reason for that is because when you're watching it, it becomes this thing of he's telling everybody he's leaving the next day. They think he's coming back one more time. They're planning his party, his goodbye party. They're planning all this stuff. And he is low-key trying to say his goodbyes and do a nice thing for people and Jim kind of figures it out and there's that heartfelt moment there at the end where he was real yeah which was like a real moment for them when they were taping it I I saw a behind the scenes thing like they were both like struggling through that emotionally so it it, it helps it too um and and that scene gets me every time when Jim gives him that heartfelt message uh you know Jeff on Twitter put uh, Toy Story 3 reference, and I agree, Toy Story 3 is a movie that makes me cry every time I watch it, too. Um, but that episode and that scene where he's telling Michael about how much yeah. he's loved him as a boss, that gets me every time. Although, yeah. Money is a good episode, too. I actually am not as huge on Money uh, because Jan is so manic through then, and <laughs> I I don't know. It's just, I actually like Goodbye, Michael more. I Goodbye, Michael's not one of my favorite all-time episodes, but they do it well. And when you can get an episode where Michael actually is a little sly, when he is actually fooling everybody, I do enjoy those moments. And that episode, it starts right off with him on the roof with Dwight. And he's like, you know, what if these bears chase me? Should I put some meat in my pants in <laughs> yeah. case the bears? And, he's, and and it's just like the stupidest thing ever. And Dwight reacts to it just the way you'd expect. And he just kind of looks at the camera, like smiling. Like I, I really do actually enjoy that. And they did it so well at the end that for a character leaving a show, they did it just perfect with Pam running after him, having the mic off him saying, that's what she said. And then Pam come running after it was just really well done. They, they really knew what they were doing. Um, and, it, and they, they landed it. Next one, uh, two seed Niagara, seven seed the deposition. This might be a bit of a hot take. I do not like the Niagara episode. It's the Pam and Jim wedding, and that is fine. I don't hate Jim and Pam, but I just that episode to me 
like I've seen it and that's one of the harder ones to plow through when I'm going through a rewatch just because to me I'm just like eh it, it it's okay uh, it's not one of my faves and it's going up against the deposition which I think is hilarious that in this episode uh Michael is in the middle of a lawsuit between Jan who at the time of his is, is his lover and she is suing Dunder Mifflin <laughs> his workplace over her being terminated and there are a lot of weird, weird things that happen in this episode where his diary gets read during the deposition. Uh, but I think my favorite part of this episode is when Toby is trying to have a moment yeah. with Michael. And he said, because there's a moment where Michael realizes he's in the middle of his company and his lover. And it's an awkward situation for him, no matter what he does, no matter what he says. And Toby talks about when his parents went through a divorce and they both wanted him to testify against the other. And he says, you know, I just wanted my parents to stay together. And Michael just shoves his food off of the table (laughs) and gets up and walks to a different table. It was hilarious. Yeah, it's so good. That is a good episode. And I picked deposition as well over uh, Niagara here. So we both have the seven seed beating the two seed. I give Niagara a little credit because... They do the Jim and Pam. They have really good Jim and Pam moment in there. They have, you know, the the song playing. They they take off from the wedding yeah. and go have their own wedding on a boat. They have the song playing where it's basically everybody else making themselves the star of the wedding and and which they didn't want. They went and had their own moment. You kind of see that as the others going on and uh, it, they do it well without any words. It's just music overplaying and you can see what's happening. And then all that comes together with this, the look at the end where like they're riding on the boat, riding back in after they're married. And you see Jim just smile at the camera. It's just one of those great moments in their relationship. Uh, we'll talk about another one of those moments later, but it's just one of those moments. So I give those moments credit, but I don't love Michael and Pam's mom. Uh, the most disgusting line <laughs> in the show is when Kevin puts his feet in the ice machine. So like I my dogs do are barking. <laughs> The whole grandma being so prude and everybody having to lie about her pregnancy. I just don't love all that as much as I do a lot of those things in the in the series. I give there's funny things that happen throughout the episode, but I agree with you. The deposition wins. I'll talk more about it next round. All right. We got dinner party versus I have casual Friday. You have booze cruise. I went dinner party because, as you said, it's an all timer. And holy crap. When Dwight shows up at that door with. The woman yeah, who used you know to babysit him. Oh, man. That is just sets up for total shenanigans. Um, You take me by the hand. You made me a man. I'm going to dinner yeah. party. Let's so talk then, about Goodbye Michael and the deposition. Again, I like Goodbye Michael, but for me, it was the deposition. Uh, it's yes. just too funny. When they're reading the diary and they go, uh, who is this girl, Ryan? Ryan? <laughs> and Toby just busts out, who's hot? Yeah like Jan, but in a different way. Uh, and Toby just busts out laughing. Uh, it was great. It's one of the few moments where Toby is like, has a thing over Michael and can laugh at Michael. Yeah, it was, it was really good. Elite eight dinner party versus the deposition for both of us. I went dinner party. And the reason I went dinner party is because Again, there is the charades. There's the fight that happens with Michael and Jan that is so awkward. Uh, But I think the scene that gets over or the line that gets overlooked, in my opinion, with this episode all the time 
is when uh, Michael says, I'm in hell. She's the devil. Ah, I'm burning. I'm in hell. And Ange- <laughs> it does the little devil horns. You shouldn't and joke about yes, that. Yes, Angela's lineup. <laughs> you shouldn't joke about that. I laugh every time. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Uh, the the going back and forth with Babe. Okay, Babe. Yeah, yeah. Babe. Okay, and she's just <laughs> trashing the the uh, the townhouse, and it, it's fine. And she's just like how everything's terrible. Um, uh, when they do get mad at each other, and he's like, "Oh, I'd like to burn your candles." <laughs> yeah. I just love. That. I use that line whenever I can. Probably even when I shouldn't. And then also when Jim is messing with Michael when they're playing charades. And like Tom Cruise and it's just obvious who the answer is. And he won't say the right. It's so, it's so well done. That episode was the first episode back after the writer's strike. And that episode, they had been like waiting years to do, like they were building up to like that situation with those two together so they could do that dinner party. So it's a great episode. It's an all timer. Um, I'll just, I'll ruin it. I'm not going to have it win in this whole thing, but a lot of people, it's their favorite episode for good reason. There's just so many good things in that show. The Dwight's date who doesn't know what email is. And yes. but she was his babysitter, but now his date just so good. The, uh, we I, both have I, it in I the final the, four. Yeah. We both have dinner party in the final four. I hate taking the deposition out of there. The Ryan love in there is great. I also like that David Wallace moment where, uh, Michael oh, finally stands yeah. up for the company and David Wallace uh, had said Michael's a, a nice guy and, and Michael kind of reiterates that to him. I, I love that and moment. All and the kinda... things, though, and all the things that said by uh, by David Wallace about Michael Scott, I do yeah. kind of laugh that that's the one thing he picked. And it just shows the innocent yeah. of Michael Scott. Like, he goes, I think you're a nice guy, too. Because it's followed yeah. by a bunch of stuff that's not nice to say about an employee and not good but to you, hear. But you but you didn't break me up with me because of my looks. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> like that same kind of line. Like he takes the one stupid positive. So, but dinner party comes out of the, uh, the top bracket there. All right, let's move to the lower left. We got drug test versus the garage sale. Drug test is the episode for me, uh, Dwight finding that joint and then, uh, just totally grilling everyone, uh, and telling Michael Scott that, it must be yes. It, the te- sample you must be tested, and it must be urine. Yeah. Whenever there's urine talk in office, that's what I'm there for. I mean, it's Dwight talking about urine happens throughout the series, but that episode in particular, so good, so many good things. You know, Dwight finding drugs is probably more dangerous than someone actually on drugs. Just so many good things. The Dwight uh, harassing uh, Angela because for a show, just so he can't show special treatment to his secret girlfriend, and she kind of likes it. You know, she smirks <laughs> yeah. at it. I mean, there's just so many good things there. Garage sale, the only thing that reason that's on the list, because that's the episode when Michael pr- proposes. Mm-hmm. And, and they kind of handle that moment nicely. I, I will say it's one of the weaker uh, proposals and stuff. Are you um, sure that's the one where he proposes? Uh, I thought garage sale was... Uh, fun run is no it's they, not because garage sales the episode where they end up getting broken up because david wallace figures out they're in a relationship um no garage sale is when they all bring their knickknacks into the garage and they had kind of have a flea oh you're right them. you're right you're right i get that confused with crime aid yep i got it confused was, with crime aid yep yeah so so i'm right and so that makes me right that drug test advances as as you agreed but it just solidifies that i was right because i actually knew what episode i was comparing to yep uh, Benny, <laughs> it's better than both, but Benny Hanna Christmas 
and Christmas party. Uh, these are both Christmas, Christmas episodes. Christmas episodes, but I went with the original Christmas party from season one, or not season one, but season two. Um, yep. And first Christmas, yeah, uh, where they play Yankee Swap, and it just turns Yee- into an Yankee Swap unmitigated disaster. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it just it that's the start of like Michael just totally ruining parties. There's a good. There's so many good lines in it. It sets up other Christmas parties so well. Uh, I'm surprised these are the only two Christmas episodes represented on this list because when uh, Phyllis wants to be Santa, that Christmas episode is really funny too. And then also it's a later season episode, but when Dwight is um, a schnit, uh, oh, I forget his name. Bell Schnickel. Uh, yeah, Bell Schnickel and all that. So good, but... Uh, I actually took Benihana here. I really, wow. uh, I really love Benihana. I'm going to talk about it more, but so I take Benihana here, Vanson. Okay. Uh, episode three, which is uh, murder, against episode six, which is <laughs> sexual harassment. <laughs> Both of these are great episodes, <laughs> but I went with murder. I cannot get enough of that Michael Scott accent of I do declare. Uh, <laughs> It's such a great one. I'll get into another accent that I love and another line said by Andy Bernard later, but I picked it's murder like over molasses. sexual harassment. <laughs> uh, I actually, I, I got sexual harassment. Uh, it's, it's a good episode season two. And if you look at my bracket, it, the earlier the season, the better. I mean, that's, that's a, a ongoing thing in my bracket, maybe not to a T, but it's, it's pretty common. Uh, sexual harassment. So good. Michael is so against, um, you know, every, anybody coming, limiting him, anybody saying that he can't tell these jokes, anybody saying, uh, you know, holding him back from being funny and being the best boss ever um, to at the end, you know, he's he leans back. And he's like, uh, they got me a lawyer. You know, I, sometimes I just forget that I'm actually management. Like, it's such a 180 <laughs> for this guy. He thinks he's being attacked the whole time. And then there's the all time moment in the show where the, that's what she said joke is throughout the series. But. Jim just completely throws three lines at him that it's just the most obvious comeback to. And, and Michael's trying to keep it in and just can't. It's so good. Uh, the two seed in this is the injury and it goes up against fun run uh, injury for me. Uh, it's where Michael Scott grills his foot and um, man, he's a bit fussy. Oh, very fussy. And then the, what he does to Ryan, like he just uses Ryan as his, <laughs> Uh, personal assistant throughout uh, and just mistreats him so bad. He wants him to go two towns over to the right Boston market to get the right beans or something. Uh, Yams. Just so crazy. Yams. Yeah. So crazy what he makes him do. He's falling in the bathroom and he wants somebody to come in there and get him. Just so many good things. I'll get into more good things in the next round, but it takes out fun run. Fun runs. The first episode you see Jim and Pam are together um and there's funny things in an episode but the injury so good so good. i was gonna say i love when he says would you leave what if that was stevie wonder in there and phyllis says oh <laughs> no we stevie would help wonder. we love stevie wonder we would have helped him <laughs> 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 that was great um i have drug test versus the original christmas episode again i picked drug test over this uh when dwight is interrogating people this whole time i think this is another great jim dwight moment when Jim spins it around and goes, uh, uh, it spins it around and makes Dwight think Jim is the one interrogating him because uh, he says memory loss is one of the symptoms of marijuana. 
you told me when I came in here, I would be interrogating you. Now, just how much pot yeah. did you smoke? And Dwight gets all confused. It is great. And it's also good, though, when Creed, like, gives the exact right name for, like, what strand yeah. <laughs> of marijuana cannabis it is. No. Northern Lights Cannabis. No, it's marijuana. Like, I mean, Creed just knows exactly what it is. And, and Dwight doesn't even know. So, yeah, that's that's a good little line. Um, so you had drug test beating. Um, I had it beating the original Christmas party. I got Benny Hanna advancing oh, here because Lord. I love the Benny Hanna Christmas episode. I like the first half of it better than the second half, to be honest. Yes. Because I don't like how the waitresses, actresses changed from the restaurant <laughs> who they were talking to, to the coming back to the party. I think that's part yeah. of the joke, though. I really do. I think that was I intentional. I don't know if it's part of the joke. I think so it, it was intentional. Every time. I think it was intentional. But, but when they're sitting at that, like, equivalent of Masaki for Stanton residents, but the Benihana uh, table there, and they... Dwight gets shoved two people away. So he's not involved in the conversation. At all. And Jim just completely plays on that. And, and it, it, it leads up to a Dwight, like yelling over the whole table. No, you'll want to hold the neck up and cut. And there'll be a lot of blood. You'll want a bucket there for the blood and the feather. Like, and the whole table's like, what the heck? And then also Michael, like eating off other people's plates. Like, Oh, it's family style. I mean, <laughs> it's just that scene alone is great. But in addition to that, you got Pam, versus Angela with Pam being teamed up with Karen. It's just a great dynamic right there. The whole start the party with Angela calling Dwight, just some line. I use a lot of lines from that, those, that episode, that hour long episode all the time. Start the party is, is every time there's a little kid party happening at my house. At some point, I'm going to make a very dramatic start the party. Like it's just who I am. I have murder versus the injury in the next matchup. And I went with murder because again, I do declare that has been a murder. Uh, and again, when you alluded to it, when Pam is trying to be her character, uh, she's using a different Southern accent and Meredith goes, okay, Forrest Gump. And she goes, I'm not Forrest Gump. And Andy goes, well, actually you are. You sound kind of like this. And what you want is more of a, Molasses falling out of your mouth. Uh, I, my brother and I do that all the time. Whenever, whenever we're trying to impersonate somebody, it, it doesn't even have to be Savannah. If the state of Georgia gets brought up, we're gonna start talking like that. And then at, after everything we say, we'll say, "I do declare." <laughs> yeah, that, there's some great lines, and I mean, you know, this office. I mean, as soon as you get in the second round, there's good episodes getting knocked out. I had the same matchup. But I no, you had sexual harassment. No, I had sexual harassment, but I'm still I'm taking injury. I love the injury episode. I rewatched it recently. Uh, The whole Dwight getting the concussion, like actually being injured in that episode, like legitimately. And then how him and Pam become like friends in that episode. And he's friendly. He does the whole gym tap on the desk. Just so many good things with that. Them going to the hospital, Jim, Dwight and Michael going to the hospital um, just so many good things happen that episode that that's what she said that Dwight gets uh, for the doctor and gets the laugh and Michael's just mad and Michael's enough petulant child in this episode uh, that it's it's the right amount it's not as bad as some other times uh, you know he's he's he wants the attention but there's still enough else going on that it's just I love that episode so much uh, drug test versus murder for me and again I went murder 
and another reason I picked this episode is because this is where Jim kind of learns a lesson in being a boss. Because at this time in the show, Jim and Michael are kind of co-managers where Jim handles day-to-day, Michael handles big picture. Uh, and Jim is focused on the news that the company might be going under. He thinks it's really important that everybody keeps working and not be distracted. And Michael knows his employees are stressed out about the company, maybe going out of business and wants to distract them and keep their spirits high. So Michael is going for the morale where Jim is going for the, we need to work. Uh, and I think Jim kind of learns like, wow, there is a method to Michael's madness. He's not just a crazy person. Yeah, I like those moments, and it's not just in this episode where um, where Jim and Michael kind of share the bond there, and, and and Jim respects that Michael's already been there and learned these lessons. The first one happens when uh, Michael goes on that outdoor uh, solo mm-hmm. adventure, and he comes, and Jim's trying to get all the birthdays into a birthday month, and there's that one of those moments at the end of that episode. There's an episode right close to this one where uh, they're changing uh, how the the um, bonuses are getting based on how they decide and they're putting beans on people's faces. What does a bean mean? Like just, that's a great line. Uh, and then Michael comes in the office at the end and, and, and Michael's just happy that someone's there joining with them. But Jim's also respecting that this is hard and that, you know, these are hard decisions Michael's had to make. Uh, and so, and then you reference there, like, I like those moments where like Michael does get credit for, even, even though he's a bad boss, he really isn't a great boss. I mean, he just, you don't see where right. he's a great boss. You see some of the difficulty that he has that's legitimate and how he's gotten through it and maybe succeeded at it. So uh, I do like those moments. But I have Benny Hanna versus the injury here, and I'm taking Benny Hanna because it is just one of my it's at, it's just one of my favorite episodes. It really is. It's, I am I, learning I, I don't a lot. know why, how you have that out in the first round. I thought it was a tough matchup in the first round, but I have him going to the final four for all the reasons I've said Oof. and all the reasons I forgot to mention. Let's move to the other half of the bracket. Now we got the Alliance in season one versus product recall. I love the Alliance, but for me, this was product recall. Uh, Product recall is when they have to recall a bunch of paper because an employee that was being fired ended up putting an obscene watermark with a beloved cartoon mouse (laughs) performing an act on a cartoon. Unspeakable act. Unspeakable act on a cartoon (laughs) duck. Personally, never was a fan. fan. (laughs) Yeah, so good. And uh, this is probably my most, this was the hardest for me that product recall got taken out in the first round of my bracket because I love the Alliance. Product recall, though, when I was really comparing these two, I'm there for some lines in product recall. I'm there for what you just said. I'm there for Dwight explaining that he lived on a farm and he's seen animals <laughs> together in many different ways. Pig on uh, pig, pig, on, pig chicken, on goat, a uh, <laughs> couple chickens, a couple pigs watch it. Just so, <laughs> so, so, so perfect. <laughs> also the other funny lines with the whole, uh, you know, they reward the big check, uh, you know, the, the 53 yes. reams or <laughs> six months, whatever happens first. And then she ends up being mad at it. Like, and they kick her out. And then, but the whole, there's a lot of good individual things in there, but the Alliance as a whole, just, I think really lays a lot of groundwork for the show. And I'm going to talk about that episode more, but I have the Alliance advancing here. Casino night versus surplus casino night 
is a hard episode to watch, really, because uh, there's the fun stuff. But then at the end, it gets real and it gets real, real fast. And it's where Jim kind of puts himself out there to Pam. Pam shoots him down. And uh, this is early on in the show because she's still engaged to Roy and she's going to get married to Roy. Uh, and so that causes Jim to end up going to Stanford later. Uh, for that reason, I pick surplus. Um, it's a, it's one of the harder episodes to watch casino night. So, uh, there are funny moments in the episode, but for me, surplus is where Michael realizes they've got extra money in the budget. Oscar tries to explain this to him pretty basically saying you have extra money in the budget. If you don't use it, you're not going to get it next year. He goes, okay, explain it to me. Like I'm five. Um, and (laughs) so, uh, Half the office wants a new copier. The other half wants new chairs. And Michael talks to him. And then they, he says, if you guys can't make up your mind, because then uh, uh, David Wallace tells Michael Scott, well, if you turn it in, then if you turn in the extra money, you get a bonus. And so Michael Scott says, oh, so he presents this, uh, dilemma to the uh, office saying, if you guys can't decide, then none of you are going to get what you want. And that's when Oscar realizes he knows that he gets the bonus if he doesn't do anything with the money. But I mean, that amount of money can buy a lot of coats at Burlington Coat Factory. But I'm going casino night here. I know it's hard to watch at the end, but I, I love where two women, two two queens on casino night are coming for Michael <laughs> And, uh, I just, I like that episode a lot. Creed stealing the whole time. Um, the argument about the charities and what the money should go for. And Toby just listing off like why the boy scouts shouldn't, you know, and he's like, do I need to keep going? (laughs) Like, it's just, I, I love that episode. And I think the end that you think is tough to watch. I agree. It's tough, but you have to have that. If you, don't oh, yeah. have, if you don't have them go in their separate ways for a time period, they're going to get together too early. And we know what happens when they get together. Then you do get in some storylines you don't like of Jim and Pam much. And plus it brings in that whole Stanford, Connecticut people, Andy and Karen. And it, so like it really makes the show. And so I like Casino Night. I have them advancing mm. here. And I, I, I do like that episode, even even with the tough at the end. All right. This is the Dundies versus Business School. Uh, and I went with the Dundies because it's a tough matchup, but I went with the Dundies because this is where it's the Dundies are an award show that Dunder Mifflin puts on every year hosted by Michael Scott. Uh, this is at a Chili's, uh, and I will talk about the line, the most famous line, uh, that Pam utters in her acceptance speech later, because I got this episode spoiler alert going on a little bit, but um, yep. to me, it's hilarious. Pam having to sit there and watch footage from the Dundies past to create a highlight yes, reel is ridiculous. Yep. I mean, it's so funny. I like the Dundies too, because this is where you kind of first, I mean, it's the beginning of season two. So you've seen mm-hmm. the first six episodes of the show where, where Michael's just incompetent, like, like he is in surplus. That's probably why I didn't pick surplus to advance there. Cause Michael's just very incompetent. And I think I, I like it when there's a little bit of credit for Michael. And so, I like in this episode in Dundee's where he's kind of been tough to deal with the whole episode and, and rude. You see in the end that they stick up for Michael when some outsiders are like rude to him and, and yelling stuff at him, they do stick up for him. And uh, so I like the Dundee's there. Also the Jim and Pam and uh, her and Pam and Roy arguing. And then she comes back in 
and we'll get to it with what you're going to say. But, you know, Pam's great in this episode. This is where you really see Pam come alive. And uh, I, so I like Dundee's a lot. All right. We are moving right along here. We got Threat Level Midnight versus The Job. This was a no-brainer for me. I went, I went, um, excuse me, Threat Level Midnight because this is the episode where you see the movie play out. Um, it is so funny. And to me, the fact that he took time, and this is part of the ridiculousness of the show. He took time to film this during work. And there is no way. And the, the fact that the, the entire show they're alluding to, like the Scranton branch of Dunder Mifflin is the most successful branch. It really shows you while this guy is totally incompetent and apparently is still making money hand over fist. You're, you do have to wonder what in the living heck is going on at these other branches where stuff like this happens and they're the most successful branch in the company. Yeah. I like threat level midnight. I, I just don't like it as much as most people. I, 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 I'm going to say something very controversial. Every, everybody loves this episode so much. And a lot of people are, I mean, this is a two seed because of people love it. I don't love it that much. I have it going out here. Cause I think the job is great. And I'll come back to that. But I threat level midnight. I put on the same level as Kevin's chili. I like both. I laugh at both. But it, it's not the end-all, be-all for me. And Kevin's Chili is not the end-all, be-all for me. And I know that's controversial. It is. Uh, we'll move it on to the next round, then. Uh, I got Product Recall versus Surplus. I picked Product Recall here. Another funny bit in this episode. It's a bit cringy as well. But when Andy finds out this girl that he had been seeing is actually a high school student. Oh, yes. And <laughs> he starts talking about that, and he goes... Oh my God. And then Jim goes, Oh my, oh my God. God. <laughs> and he goes, I didn't know. And he says, I don't think that's going to hold up in the court of law. <laughs> I mean, just so yeah. many great we lines. We didn't do anything illegal. We maybe just knock over a couple mailboxes. <laughs> yeah. And then, but the best line in that is when they're sitting down with the principal and Andy is like mad that this girl <laughs> won't talk to him now. And he's like, yeah, I'd like to take a full page ad out in your yearbook, two words. And Jim says, good luck. And he goes, not what I was thinking. <laughs> My brother and I will use that, those lines right there. So often when we're watching yeah. anything that one of us gets super mad and I'm like, yeah, I got two words for you. And the other one will go, good luck. <laughs> It's such a, it's such a, I just hate that I had it knocked out in the first round because it is such a good episode. It really could have been in my top, at least in my top eight. In the right bracket, it could have been my top four, but I don't have product recall there. I got the Alliance uh, playing the casino night, and I got the Alliance going on because I love the Alliance. Basically, just everything that builds up to the end where it's already been outed that this isn't a real Alliance. I mean, you had Jim and Pam. Pam talking on the phone, Jim and Dwight hiding in a box downstairs, the box falling over. Just so many good things happening through that. What's going on behind the scenes with Michael? Just everything. So funny. It just produces joke after joke. But then you have it all gets blown up. Jim admits, hey, we were just playing a, a prank on Dwight so he doesn't get beat down by uh, by Roy right there, which does happen later or attempts to get happen later. Um, and so Dwight hears that and everything. But still, it goes to the final scene where after that point, because of the alliance and what Jim and Pam had said, 
Dwight Dwyer's hair, it's bright bleached blonde. And it's just like so far after the fact that this should have been outed, that there's no way that Dwight still believes this, but he's still holding on to the fact that he has inside information that he's got to know. So I have Alliance going just, just for that one scene alone, just absolutely hilarious. All right. I've got the Dundies versus threat level midnight. I go with the Dundies again, uh, in this episode, Pam, uh, and I'm going to save the line for one more. Cause I pick it again, spoiler Ooh. alert, but, um, uh, she ends up getting kicked out of the Chili's and she is not welcome at another Chili's restaurant. This, <laughs> this Chili's or any other Chili's ever again, because she, uh, took drinks from other people's tables and over served. And actually what's kind of a fun fact, listening to the office ladies podcast, which Jenna Fisher and, uh, Angela Kinsey do, uh, Angela Kinsey playing Angela Martin and Jenna Fisher being Pam. They mentioned that Chili's actually, when it got to that part, were not fans. And they almost said you can't say that it was done there. But then they added that line about Chili's uh, kicking her out and banning yeah. her from other because she stole drinks. And it wasn't Chili's fault that she overserved. Because, And I guess I get that from a certain standpoint. But then there's another problem. He's like, geez, Chili's, just calm and down. Honestly, it made it better, though, because then they have that guy yes. so into it, kind of delivering that, you know, public she's not welcome at this chilies or any other ever again such an attitude it's so good it's so good it actually probably helped the episode it it's the the mm -hmm. steven spielberg fake shark not working in jaws that it ends up making it all better because of it uh they they have that line it makes it great but i mean you you gotta love pam there i mean she felt god in that chilies you know felt oh good. you said it i was gonna use it oh, later oh, you save that line i was saving that line ah, i ruined it you did i'm sorry who did I you pick? The, I had the Dundies versus the job. I feel bad that I messed you up your line, but I got the job because. Wow. And you ruined my line. Okay. I, I love, <laughs> we already established, I didn't get episodes mixed up yet in this, in this bracket talk. So I, I'm still uh, winning this, uh, in the job, just the whole process of Michael knowing New York better. And he doesn't, you know, with Beardy in the game and, <laughs> Jan getting fired on the spot mid Karen interview, but Jim talking in the interview, it going through that and then coming back to Scranton while Pam is having her, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one with the camera and he just comes in, busts in and's like, Hey, what are you doing tonight? And she's like, nothing. You want to go to dinner? Yes. Then it's a date. And then the look on Pam's face, that's probably like my top moment for the Jim and Pam relationship throughout the series. And I advance it because I just if that episode's on, I have to watch the end episode just so I get to that point because I just I love that that moment. Yeah, um, I have yeah. product recall versus the Dundies. Yeah, I'm mad um, in the Elite Eight. Uh, as Leland alluded to, Pam felt God in that Chili's that night. Uh, that line is hilarious to me, and that's what pushes it past product recall into the final four. It is a great line. I got. Alliance versus the job. And I have Alliance. I love Alliance. I really, it's one of, it's like my favorite episode of season one, I think. And I, and I know we'll talk about, oh, no. um, Oh no, it isn't. It is not my favorite episode. It's my second favorite episode of season one, yeah. but, uh, it's so good. So good. Um, all right. So I have the Dundies dinner party and murder in the final four. You have the dinner party, Benny Hanna and the Alliance, the Alliance. All right. 
Moving into the final region here, safety training versus broke. Safety training is amazing. Safety training is actually two episodes, and it is where Dwight does the fire drill uh, by basically sealing all the exits and then starting a fire in the office. And he tries to tell people what they should be doing. Stanley ends up having a heart attack over it. The CPR is in this episode. So many great things happen in this episode, and it easily destroys Broke for me. Yeah, I got it over Broke. I I don't enjoy Broke because Jan uh, mm-hmm. is terrible. Yeah. Uh, safety training has a lot of good things in it. Um, I think safety training, though, is going to benefit from some beneficial matchups, and it starts right here against Broke. Moving on. Okay. We have Finale versus Branch Wars. For me, I did pick the Finale over Branch Wars. This was a tough one for me. Um, I picked Finale, and I see it like you think safety training. I picked Finale just because of Michael Scott coming back at the end, and they tie up everything. And for me, this is an episode, the Finale, I can't watch it without crying. There are too many moments, and maybe it's because, especially the first time I watched the show, I know I bawled like a like a five-year-old watching it because I watched each episode when it came out. Maybe in a few circumstances, I waited a day the next day before I watched it. But more times than not, I watched it either live or later that night on the DVR, same night it came out. And so when it got to the finale and you're having all these moments that just get wrapped up and tied up into a nice little bow to end the show. There's just too many of those moments for me not to pick it over Branch Wars, which is funny and has the great uh, part where the guys dress up as uh, warehouse workers from Utica and try to steal Karen's copier because she's trying to poach Stanley. Yeah, I have finale as well. The way they bring Michael back and really minimize his lines and everything, because they had Michael leave the the group so perfectly. Mm. They didn't ruin it with him. They didn't just bring him back full mode. There's a lot of great things in the finale. Um, I like in particular the um, the whole bachelor party dynamic stuff and Angela getting taken and Jim really putting going all out in a great way Best for Dwight, which is kind of the reversal of roles, but he really does a good job at it and even makes him kind of think he's not, but then does. Uh, really good moments there. And, and then the whole wedding process. I don't love like the whole camp, the whole panel stuff and like Aaron's mom and the baby getting given away to um, like uh, Kelly and her new boyfriend like, have a baby. Oh, because Ryan or Ryan, Ryan. Yeah. Ryan has, it's just Ryan has the baby and it's just, I don't like any, I don't like that stuff, but all the classic characters, I love everything they're doing. I go finale there. Branch Wars, I thought Jim was a bit out of character in that episode. Like, he wouldn't even go with them. And, like, the like it was it was just too weak of, like, he was going with them to make sure they didn't do anything bad or keep going with them because I know they tricked him, but then he kept going. He just got <laughs> in too deep, more deep than he ever really would. But when Dwight says the eyes are the groin of the face. And oh, that's not even. After, he's like, I can see his eyes. I just. That I that's not I, even the funniest the Dwight line in the episode for me. Yeah, I, I use that line a lot, probably more than I should, especially with my children. So 
Uh, see, for me, when he's in the back of the car trying to pee in that Coke can, and oh, then yeah. Michael swerves and he says something that we won't say on the podcast, that is the you funniest got, line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good line, too. But uh, yeah, still got finale here, just like you do. Scott's Tots versus Diversity Day. Here's another hot take. I don't hate Scott's Tots. I actually laugh quite a bit during Scott's Tots. A lot of people think it's the worst episode because they don't feel comfortable uh during scott's tots i think it's funny but that being said it's going up against diversity day which is from season one it's the second episode it's an here's how you know it's a good episode they couldn't put it on tv today no way that gets greenlit uh on network television it's a new episode yeah. yeah on network television that is a hilarious episode where michael i mean oh cookie cookie yeah he's insulting <laughs> kelly about her race to her face Without a card on her head. Without a card on her head. Yeah, he put, he makes people put cards on their head and ask them to treat them like the race on their forehead. Uh, he has a dream that the sparks are really going to fly. Uh, and he has Martin Luther King on his forehead, obviously, when he says that. Um, hilarious episode. And I so much better than Scott's Tots. I uh, also have Diversity Day going. Scott's Tots has some funny lines. I mean, that's that's the thing about The Office. Like any of these episodes that I'm knocking out, it's it's not that I don't sit there and have laughed and there and there's good things. I just Diversity Day is superior here. Scott's Tots, I I it is tough. It is hard to watch. I guess it it just it gets a little bit too far. That yeah. Are and by that 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 he's not going to be able to pay for these kids' educations after college, and it's so heartbreaking with those kids in the room and all the gratitude they're giving him. But the best part of Scott's Tots, though, is like as soon as it gets mentioned, Stanley just starts laughing because he like knows (laughs) what's going on. Like that's a great he remembers right there. Yeah, Uh, pool party, yeah, which is a two seed. um, Wouldn't have even been in my tournament of 32 episodes. It is one of the most forgettable episodes of the entire series. It goes up against stress relief. uh, And easily for me, stress relief beats pool party. Easily. Stress relief advances. And uh, yeah, pool party is terrible. I am not, I don't even like pool party. Like of any of the episodes I've knocked out in the first round, this is by far my least favorite. And if they're saying that's even the best episode of season eight, I um, would disagree. Well, I would, I would disagree. I could find better than that in season eight. And that because Michael's not there, it's hard to find great episodes in season eight, but there's better than that in season eight. And stress release, uh, excuse me, stress relief is the product of safety training, which is the one seat in this region. And that's where uh, Michael has everybody at the office roast him because he thinks that he is stressing them out. That episode could have plowed further on if we didn't have the six sevens matchup of all time between six and sevens diversity day beats it for me but man when michael has everybody roast him uh there's a great scene where toby tries to come up and he says no no friends only uh it makes toby go back which i would have loved to hear what toby had to say but (laughs) and then there's you know michael gets super sad when everybody roasts him uh and like um, has a personnel day yeah we're a little off here and i got a little mixed up in this bracket but safety training isn't where they throw the stress relief is where they throw the dwight lights the office on fire are we sure yes we're sure safety training is where we got to make sure michael doesn't mess with the baylor oh, and shit. 
Okay, so we had to stop and make an edit. Upon further review, Leland is right. Uh, again, I have mixed up episodes. I I have a bad habit of doing that. I love these. And I, I love the show. A, an unusable word. For yeah, so that's why we had to edit it. Uh, <laughs> safety training is actually. I still pick it over broke. It's actually yeah. the episode where Michael uh, ends up uh, having to be told why he can't use a baler. Uh, by Daryl, and then he tries to fake jump off <laughs> that a roof. Dim lit is a problem, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> problem's not the right word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tries to jump off the roof or fake jumping off the roof uh, to show the dangers of being in an office due to depression. They they test with the watermelons and they just bash onto Stanley's car. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that that whole thing where he drops it and Michael goes, "Yeah, baby," and it hits and goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" whoa. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> lands on the car is so good but anyway yeah, it's so good. stress relief that, is the one where seed. stress relief is the one where dwight lights the office on fire yeah. and Most uh Super Bowl episode. Yep. yes uh that one loses to diversity day for me because diversity day is just everything yes i agree diversity day uh takes out stress relief here we both have the finale versus safety training this might be where we're different I picked the finale over safety training um, because actually when I did do this bracket, I did look up each episode when I did have a question. And so I did know that it was the Baylor one. Um, and I picked the finale over the Baylor one, um, even though Baylor, I hardly know her. Uh, and also there's another great line that we can't say, but Dwight, you ignorant something, <laughs> uh, a hilarious line in this episode. Yeah. And it gets to be reset because he has to do it for the, Yes. For the warehouse workers. <laughs> yes. So good. Uh, I have safety training in advance and over finale here. Just the things that I didn't like about finale just brought it mm-hmm. brought it down enough for safety training to advance for me. I have diversity day versus finale, and it's diversity day in a landslide. Uh, it's a test uh, with Mr. Brown. That was a test. Michael's not going to call him that. And then where uh, Larry Wilmore, who plays Mr. Brown, has to say, it's not a test. That's my actual name. So good. It's just, I mean, so many lines from that episode. I have Diversity Day advancing the final four as well. Um, It's another season one episode. Uh, And I mean, just a six seed there is just, they just, that's, that is right. Highlights that this bracket is seeded poorly. Yes. And before we jump into the final four, I want to talk about shows that I would at least had in the elite eight that aren't even in this bracket. Okay. Season three, the coup where Dwight thinks yes. that he can take the branch from Michael and goes and sees the dentist named Crentist, but actually <laughs> sees Jan at IHOP and he knows where she can go get her, uh, you know, no, the dentist and Crentist is not that episode. Oh, wait. I don't know why you keep arguing with me about this. Real fans know the real lines here. I don't know, man. Your brain's off tonight. I, I'm, it I'm is not off. To, I'm not, I'm not going to lay on the smack because you've made some mistakes here, but that is definitely the episode. And the coup is a great episode. Another episode that I swore was presented as a as an hour-long episode, but I think it is just a two-parter over two weeks. I always consider them together. Epi- season three, episode 13 and 14, Traveling Salesman, and then that goes into The Return this episode starts so strong where everybody's going on sales calls. It's amazing race, Phyllis. It's amazing race. And uh, they pair up into teams. How they get the teams is funny. Jim and Dwight going out there as a team. They had done it in the past. They reference it. They show a picture, which is so great because uh, it does look 
back there and Jim just gives the car so his head hits the seat. Then when they're walking into a door and Jim opens the door for him and Dwight's like, no, you have to go ahead of me. All, you know, 80% of attacks come from the rear and Jim just slaps him in the face. That's <laughs> so good and the look on his face. But all that head-to-head action, then it gets to they're in a sales call and they just rock it. Like Dwight's over here making a call to the office or a call to Target mm-hmm. or uh, not Target, Staples. Staples, but they're just on hold forever. But then immediately they call Kelly and get her on the phone. And they just really tag team that sale and do well. You, you love seeing it. Phyllis taking uh, Karen and getting the makeover because that client loves women that have the big hair and a lot of painted face. Uh, Stanley taking Ryan to uh, a group of all African-Americans and letting Ryan run the call, run the sale. And it's just hilarious. And Stanley laughing at him. It's so good. But then also at the same time you have A&D in the second part of the episode on the return going crazy because his phone is in the ceiling, ends up punching the wall. Michael goes and gets Dwight back. They have the limonade because it's a Spanish party for Oscar coming back because his ethnicity defines Oscar, not his gayness. And, but then Dwight comes in after Michael goes and gets him and thinks the party's for him. It's just, that's one of my actually all time. That would be easily in my final four. I just love that group episode, that, that back-to-back two-parter there. So good. So good. And then my final one that I want to at least mention should have at least been in the bracket. I don't know how deep it would have gone, but launch party I reference all the time. You know that. But the OD that's in launch party, when Andy's starting to date Angela and he doesn't know that Dwight and her even used to be together – and he's like, it's slow going with him, and he's confiding in Dwight on how it's going. It's just breaking Dwight's heart here and this stuff. But then all of a sudden, there's the confession that Angela, while they were necking, where they just rubbed their necks on each other, uh, she says, Old D. And Dwight's like, What? And he said, Old D. Old D. And then both at the same time, Old D. I mean, that's like, that's just pinnacle moment there for Office for me. That, that moment alone should have been on this bracket. All right. I, I agree. Those episodes probably all deserve to knock out some of the other ones that were in this bracket. Um, but final four all time. those could have been in the top eight for me, easily. Final four time, dinner party versus murder. I picked murder over the dinner party, even though I love the dinner party episode. Again, I've, I've mentioned it before. I'll just keep saying it. That southern accent gets me. And uh, I, li- I love Caleb Crowdad. I, I don't hate murder. I had it going out in the first round. I had sexual harassment beating it. And I have injury advancing. I had Benny Hanna advancing. And I have Benny Hanna here beating dinner party. I think Benny Hanna is the ultimate party of the party planning committee. I love how it was competing party plans. It might be my least favorite Christmas episode. Say that again? That that might be my least favorite Christmas episode. Oh, man. I love that episode. I really do. I really do. And these rebounding. I just, I I love Benny Hanna. Dinner party is great. And it's, it's. It's tough to take it out here, but I got Benihana here. I've got the Dundies versus Diversity Day, and despite me, uh, despite Pam feeling God in that Chili's, God couldn't have it beat Diversity Day for me because it's just too funny. Uh, That episode is so, so great where he looks at Stanley and says, 
we should have brought some colored greens in here. That would have shown him. <laughs> and Stanley tries to correct him on it being called collard greens. And Michael says, no, you don't call them collared people. That's offensive. <laughs> oh, man. It is such a great line. Yeah. So many. I mean, just diversity days. Just so good. We could go on about it all night. You have it in the finals as well. I have it in the final as well. And I think I, I know you enough. I think we both have the same winner. I think this is another bracket. Where yeah. We argue all the way. Wow. And we get to the same final. We got Diversity got Day, day the best episode in the office. It's also my favorite episode, period. We could pick any episode. It's going gonna, it's gonna to win for me. So uh, Diversity Day, number one. I already kind of stated I, I, I move away from Michael being incompetent. I move away from him just being outrageously inappropriate. But Diversity Day, it's just the right mix of those two things that it's all that. It's his incompetent uh, and, and being terrible, but it's just so perfect. It's like they, they just nailed it so much there that I do have that one representing all of them, advancing, winning, Diversity Day, the sixth seed, beating the four seed, Benny Hanna in my bracket. All right. Well, that will end it on this segment. We'll come back and try to wrap it up quickly here for it. Okay, Leland, let's wrap things up here in the D block. Let's talk about what is dominating your life. What is dominating my life is that I appreciated Disney Plus with everything going on right now that they pushed Frozen 2 onto Disney Plus. They were waiting until the summer to do that. They actually moved it on up a couple weeks ago. And then they announced a couple weeks ago, hey, Onward, it was just in theaters. We're going to have it on digital March whatever, but hey, April 4th or whatever it ended up being, it's going to be available on Disney+. Plus. We watched it Friday night as a family. Liked it. It was a good movie. Not an all-timer for me, not jumping to the top of my list, but it was good. It was a good watch. Uh, it could bring some emotion out. Um, I enjoyed it, and uh, I think my kids enjoyed it. Uh, it's a lot of dialogue. I'm not saying all these Disney movies don't have a lot of dialogue, but I think it's it's a, an imaginary world, so... Um, you have some jokes and some stuff that the kids can get pulled on from there. Um, but I do think it's a little bit of an older audience. Um, you know, I think you need to be four or five probably to like it. I, I don't think the, the two and three year olds will really catch it as much as, you know, seeing frozen things or um, seeing pretty oceans and a big guy singing, which we'll talk more about. Uh, I, I liked onward very much. And I think especially adult viewers will really appreciate it. And it's a, a different lesson being taught in this movie than you get in a lot of shows or movies. And I won't spoil it right now because it's a new movie. Uh, but it's, it's very solid. Well done. Tom Holland and Chris Pratt playing brothers, uh, Joey Louis Dreyfus playing the mom, a lot of good voices in there. Really good watch. Uh, you should definitely go watch it. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know. When I saw the trailers for it, it just wasn't something that really excited me. So yeah, I get that from the trailers, but it's still, it's it's worth watching. Okay, well, whenever I have time. Um, right. Movies were dominating my life, too, but not Disney movies. Um, I watched Inception uh, over the weekend. I hadn't seen that probably since it came out. Um, and it's a good one. It's it's a good movie. Um, and then you have uh, the other movie I watched uh, while talking to my brother through the PlayStation chat uh, was Dinner for Schmucks, another movie I hadn't seen in years. 
And man, I forgot about how funny that movie is. There are a lot of lines in that movie that I had just forgotten about and just busted out laughing. Paul Rudd does a great job. Steve Carell is great in that too. Uh, Zach Galifianakis with a minor role in there as well. Pretty yeah. funny. They just kind of threw him in there because he kind of peaked, or you know, he he peaked right then. Honestly, uh, yeah, that's, that's a couple good movies to watch there. I know what movie you should have watched. Whatever. Um, you should have watched Moana. I don't know how you have time to watch Dinner for Schmucks, but you can't just watch Moana. Because I just wanted to watch Dinner for Schmucks. I knew what I was getting into when I saw just it. I was like, I think to watch I... Moana. No, <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. This is America. Uh, We're telling you to stay inside. I can tell you to watch Moana while you're in there. Yeah, but I don't stay inside. I go to work every day during the week. So when I'm at home I on the do. weekend, I do too. yeah, when I'm at home on the weekend, uh, I don't have, too, man. I don't have little kids telling me what I have to watch on TV. I get to pick. So I just you should watch Moana. It's, don't it's pick such Moana. a good movie. You watch these other Disney Pixar movies. You have strong opinions about all of them. I do. Like, yeah, you just won't watch Moana. It's, you're right. It's a solid, great movie. I just have no desire to see it. You're wrong. I'm not saying Man. I'm never going to see it. I'm just saying I don't. You're going to watch it this week. I think I'm not doing a podcast next week with you unless you watch it. Don't threaten me. Um, I yeah. When we're not on next week, listeners, you'll know why. And then you can handle Joe directly. Yeah, I don't like The Rock. So the idea of The Rock being in a movie isn't going to sell it's me on it. not The Rock. He's a character's voice. That's it. Yeah, I don't like The Rock. I don't so know how else, else to say this. I don't like the, the Rock. Rock. I think he's a bad character. I don't like him. I don't think he's a good actor. He doesn't play The Rock. Uh, wow. It's like when Seth Rogen does voices. I don't like Seth Rogen. I don't see a lot of yeah, movies with Seth Rogen involved. Like Seth Rogen. I'm asking you to watch Moana. No. Moana's about Moana, not The Rock. Yeah, I just don't care. So good. I'll get so to it when I get out. to it. You're going to get to it this week because I'm not recording with you next week unless you watch it. Mm, we'll see. Next week, next Monday night at 9 o'clock, we can watch it at the same time on Disney Plus so then we can record a podcast after it. We'll see. I doubt it. Get to it. Then we're not having an episode next week. <laughs> I doubt that. Um, I'll do an episode by myself if I have to. I have the recording capability, so I'll pull it off of the web hosting. As soon as <laughs> if that happens, folks, I'll put it on the 40 sports one and uh, I'll share it. I'll tag right. Yak sports podcast. How, how are you going to, how are you going to, sh- you're not going to sh- share it on Twitter. I'll untag. I'll, I'll won't allow the tag to the X sports podcast. On Twitter. That's fine. Most of these people follow me anyway. The loyal listeners follow me on Twitter. Anyway, they'll see it. Uh, Yeah. I'm not going to be threatened. You're going to watch it this weekend. I'm the bleeping lizard king. Um, watch Tiger King. You can watch Moana for an hour and a half and actually watch something good and that has a good feeling from the movie. Wow. That's not real life, Leland. I don't know how many times I have to tell you this. We need real life right now. We don't need hope and optimism. We have enough and real life right now. Let's, it's too real. Let's get real. This is the only fantasy I need. And it's a Polynesian lessons. This is the only fantasy I need. And it's what we're going to try to do to keep some sports talk. Uh, We're going to simulate the baseball season through a game called out of the park baseball, which if you love baseball, you would love this game. It's a mostly text-based simulation where you play the role of a manager GM or both and uh, play with a team. I, for this purpose, I'm going to be in commissioner mode. So I'm not one of the teams. The teams will the computer will run each team and trade and sign people as they see fit. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to go week by week. Uh, so 
You're what? a commissioner. You're a commissioner of the whole league. I gotcha. Yeah, I am playing the role of Rob Manfred. Um, so are you suspending people? Are people like I you can't know, suspend people? It's super at second base. Or super what? upsetting. It won't let me suspend people. Otherwise, I can promise you, Brett Gardner would be suspended. Uh, he would not be getting a hit in every game so far this season, 10 games into the year. Uh, but <laughs> that being said, where we sit right now, the Toronto Blue Jays have the best record in the major leagues at 9-2. and two. Right behind them is the St. Louis Cardinals in the National League at 8-2, and two, just a half game back. Obviously, those two teams lead the division. My Baltimore Orioles, after starting 2-1, and one, winning 2-3 against the Yankees, got a little bit rough. They're 3-7 and seven now. The team leader in wins is out of the bullpen, Tanner Scott. None of the pitchers have an, uh, starters have an ERA under 5, which is usually not a good start uh, and not great for the old morale. Chris Davis, uh, in case you were wondering, is batting 078, so that's good. Uh, and the Blue Jays are being <laughs> led right now by that 9-2 start. They're being led by Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who has six homers, and Bo Bichette, both young guys, Bo Bichette has five homers. The Nats, the other local team, they're seven and three right now, a game and a half ahead of the Phils atop the NL East. But everybody in the NL East within three and a half games of each other here. Again, we're about 10 games in on April the 7th. That's a good start for the Nationals trying to repeat as champions. My Pirates kind of right around 500 at four and six. Um, that seems kind of accurate there. I should There's say Dodgers. also. Uh, Surprised the Dodgers are only six and four. I, th- I think they're going to be strong. I thought they would have been strong this season. Yeah, they are only six and four, but they've won three straight. The Padres, who are six and five, have been losers of four straight, so they're on the downward trajectory, coming crashing. Doesn't look back like a good division Earth. down there. It's not. Um, but I should also say, in terms of national stuff, that you're looking at Steven Strasburg with a .69 ERA at this point in the season, second behind Mike Leake, who actually pitched a gem and didn't give up any runs. And then you have his Drupal Cabrera leading the National League in home runs here at the early point in the season with six, tied with Reese Hoskins of the Phillies. We'll keep these updates coming as long as... Uh, we'll post. Well, I, I think we can post these if you give me the... the I'll send you the I'll images. Every week. Yeah, I'll send the yeah, images we'll so Leland can post. Week. And uh, we'll talk about what's going on in the virtual out-of-the-park baseball simulation for 2020 because, again, I'm betting we don't get any baseball. And we'll only do this, I, I, I would really say, until if, if real, yeah, if real baseball happens, then obviously we'll stop. Yeah. But yeah. So maybe another reason to root for real baseball to happen or something. All right. What I know that you need to know is that uh, I watched rewatched Zootopia. After last week, you loving Zootopia so much. I, I didn't say it was bad. I think I had it advanced in some of the bracket last week, but it just wasn't one of the favorites in my house. You're rewatching it, I think I realized my kids were probably just a little bit young for some of those scarier scenes, and and they liked it more this time. I still went back and looked at the bracket last week. I don't think I'd have it advancing any differently, but uh, yeah, it was a good good to catch back up with it. Um, the animal jokes are very good throughout, and it's a very good uh, effort there um, from uh, I want to call him Michael because that's his uh, character on uh, Arrested Development, um, but um, oh. the main. Yeah, no, I'm going to get mad because he's in Ozark. Uh, I call him Marty um, from that. Jason. Jason Bateman. Bateman. Yep. So it's very good, a very good outing for him, and it's it's a solid movie. So if I downplayed it last week too much, I I wanted to reiterate that that you need to know that it it wasn't as negative as maybe I said last week, and um, but still still solid. The other stuff that you need to know 
additional episode of Tiger Don't get King people's until, hopes up. That's not it's true. reportedly coming. I caution that exactly like you're saying, because Jeff, the worst person in the Tiger King universe that isn't in prison, deserves to be in prison. Uh, he's the one that on Twitter or Instagram or Instaface or whatever we want to call it uh, said that it's coming. This additional episode is coming. I'll believe it when I see it. But e- either way, potential drama there. Either one episode. episode. They're not. Yeah, it's not going to be just one episode. That's how you know it's a lie. I only heard the one episode. I didn't hear more than that. That's, I, that's why I'm saying that's said. how you know it's a lie. He's the only one saying it. That's how you know he's lying. They, if they were going to do it, it would be a whole second season and they would bring it out. I w- I'm just glad it was his wife sitting with him instead of that nanny that he was going to hire. Um, the other thing that you need to know, today is the anniversary of something pretty big. On yeah. April 6th in 1992, a ballpark opened. Joe, mm-hmm. what ballpark is that? The Camden Yards. It be Camden Yards, and that's what changed the game throughout baseball. As soon as that park opened, every other owner in the league wanted a ballpark that kind of these big gigantic buildings they wanted the cozier setting with character and we've seen one by one these stadiums come about and have that and baseball's better for it there's so many good ballparks now but the Orioles organization opening Camden really set the tone and they they were the leader there they they set the trend and uh, deserve that respect for it because Camden is awesome. It's a great place to watch a ball game, and uh, everybody knows it. And it still holds up. It's still one of the best ballparks. Even though these other, all these other cities have opened up their ballparks and tried to compete with it, Camden still comes up as one of the you know top three, top five stadiums in the league, and it deserves it. It's awesome. Yeah, it, you know, being an Orioles fan, I'm lucky that they do have such a nice ballpark, and it's it's one of the highest rated ballparks, no matter what uh, reputable ranking system you're looking at uh and uh you know i've got a calendar of mlb ballparks and i i would felt you know i was so happy my brother hated it uh i can't remember who his is now but he doesn't like it for october when his birthday is but mine is in march and that's when oriole park at camden yards was and i was like oh my gosh yes uh i got camden yards is my month so i got to look at camden yards and that was the hardest part about uh closing the book on March was having to flip that calendar. Now it's on Wrigley field. Uh, the Cubs, I haven't yeah, been to Wrigley. Yeah. I haven't been to Wrigley, uh, but it's, it's the outside of Wrigley. Um, of course, the problem with Wrigley is it's age. Uh, that Wrigley's on my list. I want to go there bad. I want to go there, but the age I've heard hurts it. Uh, sight lines aren't great. Same with Fenway, but they're in middle of this like multi season, every off season. They like, completely tear apart something and build back. I mean, they're really they got time. trying to build around it and make it better and, and increase where they can. But I mean, a lot of it's still old. Yeah. Uh, they got time if they want to start, you know, another phase of construction. They got a couple yeah, months. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not. I mean, they're not going to give up on that yet, but it won't be too long and they, they just might. So, all right. Well, that has been another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. We will be back next week if Joe watches Moana. So make sure you're following us on Twitter or Facebook at Yak Sports Pod. And uh, you'll hear from us there if Joe hasn't watched it and we can't record. And Here's then the, the email thing. is yaksportspod at gmail.com. And if you want to berate Joe 
either from Twitter, Facebook, or email. Just send something to any one of those about how he needs to watch Moana, and we'll make him do it. Subscribe on Podbean, Apple, Google, and Spotify, and tell your friends we're here. Hey, we know our podcast is meant to be here for the local sports, for the Augusta County sports fan. We hope you're enjoying the what we can bring to you in the meantime. We'll continue to try to bring you all good things. We say it every week. If you have a way to interact with us, you have an idea of something for us to argue about, an opinion that you want to bring back and let us have at it or share your opinion and, and give our, your, our thoughts, we'd love to do it. So uh, interact with us on those. Hopefully keep listening. And we hope to be back next week with Joe having his review of Moana. Well, here's the thing. Leland is putting so much pressure on me. It's going to make me hate watch Moana. And then that's going to make me not like it. And then he's going to get you, so offended when I come on here and go, oh, my gosh, how could you not like Moana? Oh, I don't know, Leland, because I didn't want to watch Moana. But because I love it. our fans more than Leland does, I'm not going to try to hold them hostage over this movie. Uh, yeah, so I'm probably going to end up hate watching it because I love the fans of the Exports podcast more than Good. my own enjoyment. And I'm going to hate watch this movie. Leland's holding me hostage. He's holding you hostage. I just want everyone to know uh, and realize which one of us actually loves our listeners. Uh, Just like I actually love the Orioles and would not sell them for $85 million. I will try to make an effort to watch Moana. So Leland can't successfully hijack this podcast over this. What's going to be a terrible movie. Hijack the podcast. It's going to be a terrible movie. I'm going to hate it. I can already tell. (laughs) Well, I look forward to talking about it next week, and so will our listeners through the uh, Twitter, Facebook, or email, and uh, they'll hear it because they'll subscribe. Listen to us next week, y'all. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.